Welcome to 12 Rows Back, where we bring you footy from the fans' perspective. It was a huge round. What are we, round 10, Tom? We just got through? Yeah, just got through round 10, almost at the halfway mark. This season is flying, uh, going slow for others, but fast for some. As we say every week, we are learning more and more, and there is a juicy contest coming up this week, but we've got to take a look back. I know you're keen to get into a few topics. There's a few I want to avoid, but we're going to get into. So it's, it's going to be a big app. We've got the grades, the rapid fire. It's all it's all happening. Round 10. Yeah, there's um, there's plenty to dissect. And as we speak, there's plenty more coming up. Uh, just announced earlier today, they are looking to change the time slot for the Friday night games back from 7.50 to 7.20. That's a great call. It's a bizarre... I know the logic the 750 as in you could have a you know you finish up school end of the week you've also got the you know the corporate sort of crowd getting in but it was a it's a bizarre situation if you're at a game leaving at 11 o'clock basically and getting home at midnight for most uh, after those games so it, I'm, I'm happy to see that yeah look it suits the state you're in if you're in victoria but if you're even if you're in South Australia, that's a 6.50 start. What if you finish work at 5.30, you've got to get an hour, or let's just say half an hour back home. That's now 6 o'clock. You've got to stop, eat, grab the kids, get there in 50 minutes. Could be impossible for some. Um, I don't need to point out it'll be 5.20 in Perth, and some people may not be finished work, but you know we forget there's another part of the country, don't we? Well, You've got me thinking on this because, you know, we, we look back at the tape and, and just this uh, Vic v. the rest uh, mentality, but who will watch most of the Friday night games? Where are the ratings in our game? Where do they come from? It's Victoria, you would say, wouldn't you? And therefore, the advertising dollars from Victorian eyeballs might be a little bit uh, more valued than others in other states. Not downplaying the role of those states. I'm just trying to look at the AFL's logic for making that kind of call. Yeah, it goes against the growth mindset of bringing in GWS and Gold Coast by just focusing on your core group of Victorians, doesn't it? But you're right, Victorians are the two people watching. Um, would you believe me if I told you that it is partly because people start tuning out after halftime because it's late? And they're disinterested, so they by shifting it forward half an hour, there's less tuning out after halftime. Because that halftime break, if you watch the Channel 7 coverage, it just feels like a 20 minutes worth of ads. Because you go, you got seven players in seven days, and that's sponsored by someone, and then you come back and they do a little bit of talking, but then it's the Telstra tracker, and then it's this, and then it's the Oz Kicker of the Year presented by Maccas, and they're just, it's just sponsored product, sponsored product, sponsored product. And then suddenly the footy's back on. It it's a pretty it's a poor product in my opinion. No, I'll pay that. Um, I should give a shout out to our good selves, given that we've gone with a, a much better and much more easy to digest halftime show. I think we're a lot crisper. We get to the points, and we don't have a single ad. So tune in if you can. Uh, we'll get that back up and running. A um, couple of Friday nights uh, involving the Saints recently, but yeah, look, I'm with you. It is. It's an ad city. It's. I, I don't even bother really with it. I, I go off and do something else, make a cuppa, maybe grab a drink, pour another wine, something along those lines, and, and, and then get back uh, without seeing a minute of it because it, that, that slot is unwatchable. I'm with, I'm with you. And 
look, the floating fixture has helped improve the games we've had on a Friday night. But yeah, if it's any sort of blowout or if it's a game that's not quite appealing, then yeah, that it's the eyeballs on the screens and they're they're off and it's it, that attention doesn't come back. So that that's a nice little take on that one. Actually, I, I don't I agree with you there. That's that's it's a smart call and hopefully it means a better halftime product. I guess that that'll be. Uh, proof in the pudding but um yeah i'm with you there i think that's a good take yeah look it's just something i thought of obviously i'm always going to jump to the vic bias side of the argument <laughs> and uh look like what are they going to do when a perth team gets a home game it'll be back to the 8 10 slot which is 6 10 over there and they just put up or they they just put up with it and deal with it so um i don't know if it's really going to boost ratings i think I think they're finding people found other ways to fill their time in last year. And you know what? We haven't got this on the sheet, but you know one other thing that's driving me nuts is the declaration that Saturday afternoon football is dead. Oh, I, I am can't understand it. It is, uh, dare I say, it's almost, you know, private school thinking because that's sort of, you know, or VAFA thinking really uh, that to go Victorian, um, it, you know, that, we're, oh, we're all too busy on a Saturday afternoon to go to the footy. Oh, things are happening. People are just getting into their weekend. Well, people need this downtime and they want an activity to do. Saturday after, afternoon footy is as good as it gets. It's That's actually part of the fabric of the game. I mean, and obviously, we don't want to go back to the days with eight games on at, at once on a Saturday Arvo, but I love seeing the Hawks and, and Blues MCG on a on a Saturday afternoon or even the week before Sydney Collingwood on a, you know, that, that packed the stands, that one. That Sydney Collingwood game really drew a crowd. Yeah. It drew 30,000 plus, which is rare for Sydney up there. That's bigger than um, the Friday night Saints-Cats game. That only got 26. So, you know, make of that what you will. But Yeah, and I think that's just... It, I think it comes back to the AFL's fixturing a little bit. And they fixture the games no one really seems to want to go to. So, um Collingwood played Gold Coast at the MCG and they got just over 20,000. And Eddie... Funnily enough, Eddie's declaring it dead. You know, it just, it screamed if I actually don't know what's happening in the world and just think, oh, we get low crowds with Collingwood, then it's a problem yeah. with the time slot. It's not our fair weather supporters or it's not the fact we're playing Gold Coast, you don't draw a crowd. Um, even when Richmond played at Marvel, and that was Saturday night, oh, you know, there's no soul, there's just that and the other. It's just fair weather stuff. It doesn't take. It's five minutes extra on the train if you're coming that way. If you're coming the other way, it's closer. Um, I certainly, I think those time slots should be more used. I'd like, if there's got to be some overlap, have it on Saturday afternoon where people can get out and watch both games and stuff like that. Do you, um, um, but, do you see any merit in putting bigger games in that slot? Like, you know, we're sort of looking at the the dogs D's. Would you rather that on a Friday night or a Saturday afternoon? Like. For the big blockbuster we're talking, you know, this is the game of the round or any game of the round in any round. Oh, look, I think game of the round's got to stay Friday night. Yep. Um, but, look, there'll be a big push to get Thursday night in permanently next year, I reckon. Yep. Uh, and, look, it's hard because you have to play the games that are considered lesser games somewhere. So um, they have to be put into the fixture somewhere. I think the obsession with trying to find time slots for every single game to be watched on its own is unnecessary because it doesn't actually increase your ratings. 
in yeah. my opinion. No one sits there and goes, all right, I'm going to watch all nine games and do this and do that. And People will try, but they just don't have the time. So start. Well, it goes back to what we were saying before. I actually think when the games overlap, if one game's going well or it's exciting, you'll stay on that. If your attention wanes, well, you've actually got another game that's on at the same time that you could flick over to. So it keeps you in the football sphere rather than, you know, flicking over to whatever's on some other channel, you know. I, I love the overlap. I, I, on a Sunday afternoon, you sort of get it for that last hour, um, you know, sort of five till six as the 3.20 winds down and you get the 4.40, and it, it's it's great flicking between the two. Yeah, yeah, it, it definitely is. Um, I just I cannot work out why it's being declared dead by people who it's their job to go and watch the football. Yeah, I know. They, yeah. like, they've just got no understanding of what it's like from a fan's point of view. And so this is this is where it really overlaps with what we just spoke about with the 720. So one of the key driving factors behind this 720 start is oh, it's, it's easier for kids to get there and families to get there and it doesn't go so late and it's so much better. Well, Tom, like I know you don't have young kids yet and I'm sure that may be on the cards or may not be. We never know. Look, that's, that's your call when you get down that track. I've got two young kids. It's a hell of a lot easier to get to 2 o'clock on Saturday afternoon with the kids than it is to 7.20 Friday night. Yeah, that's fair. 7.20 or 7.50 doesn't matter with young kids. Like, 6 o'clock, then get home by 9.30, That might be a big deal, but that's too early. Um, so let's preach family and all this, and we'll move it forward half an hour on the Friday night. But we'll try and kill Saturday afternoon football because we don't like the ratings. So... It's a little bit of, oh, we'll use this to push this agenda and we'll ignore it over here and hope this one goes away. It's the AFL hip- hypocrisy. Yeah, well, we seem to stumble on these a fair bit. Um, that's a good point, though. I think the, the Saturday, any real Saturday, maybe 4.30 pushing it a little bit, but those Saturday afternoon slots are probably the family-friendly slots in a weekend, uh, even more than a Sunday game. So I, I think, yeah, they've got to in, invest in that time. I did see... I think it was old uh, Tim Lane saying, you know, it, it it's it's bad for the the uh, the radio and and those teams covering it as well because yeah they're not getting the fans listening or even watching the games. I guess you have to have Foxtel to watch them, but more particularly listening because the games aren't that exciting. I mean, yeah, you, you're talking about big clashes and, and uh, anticipated clashes, and that gets you know listeners in versus yeah, I guess the other side of it that they um they're struggling to find them at the moment with the fixturing. So, yeah, there's a little bit of push and shove. I don't think yeah, radio has the pull, but it, it, that's just another uh, aspect to it, I guess. Yeah, I, I think the fans are starting to vote a little bit with their voice, which we all have a, a minuscule voice, but I think overall we're starting to... I, I think just in general the fans are starting to smell a little bit of the AFL's... Uh, uh, double standards and you know they push it's a fixture not a draw and there's unevenness about it and people are just not having the time to put up with things I think COVID gave a lot of people a new perspective on life and footy's important but there are other things and they're not making time in their lives for football the way they used to um, but we'll see what like I'd love for them to rejig the fixture a little bit and have games on at different times and just throw a few different things at us because uh it's a little bit stale. You go into Sunday, you know, you've got the 145, the 210, the 440, and then the two Saturday nights. And 
you can almost bet bottom dollar the 145 will be a snooze fest and the 440 is typically an up-and-coming team so maybe it's worth watching um and then saturday night there's always one ripper and one dud yeah but somehow they manage to do it every week and um and look now they're doing this floating fixture but they still got those time slots and they've made a bizarre choice i think around 14 or 15 with um a rematch of Richmond St Kilda because it was a gripping contest earlier in the year, so we'll play it again on a I think a Friday night. Um, but wait and see. It's a wait and see. But I I hate how they're pushing the narrative of family friendly on the Friday night, but we'll cut it out on the Saturday. Yeah, no, I'm with you. It, that, that that doesn't make sense. No, that doesn't make sense. I mean, we also you know as soon as they change something, you know that Adelaide Hawks game at twelve thirty, it caught our eye immediately because we were up for something different. So, look, far be it for me to call it, but and dare I say, but maybe the AFL should listen to their fans more on this one. I think that you know it, Hawking, if you're listening. You've had a mare on the jumper clashes. Just just listen to this uh, this take because I think it'll be fan uh, beneficial. Most definitely. Now, I want to talk to you. I heard the commentators on Friday night. Great win by the Lions. I'm talking about uh, McCluggage. He's having an okay year, I hear, Tom. He is having a ripper if you've got him in your super coach teams out there. He is ripping it to shreds, especially of late. Now, if you want any evidence of the Vic bias... The commentators are openly saying if he played for a Victorian team, he'd get the recognition he deserves. Now, is that not evidence that the Vic bias is real and big and strong through the media? No, no, that is. I will fully give you that one. I think it's a phrase that we need to just remove from our game. Um, Buddy, Fife, Tex, you know, these are, well, probably Tex is a little lucky to be in that company, but, you know... if they were in a Victorian team, yeah, we'd go nuts. But they're that good that it it shouldn't matter. I think I'd, I'm with you. I'll give you that one fully. That is a it's got to go. What do you think it will go? I don't think it'll go, given what we were saying before, in that it's just so Victorian focused, particularly with. Uh, I could be wrong. I but I know Fox are doing this, but we've got teams commentating within the state and not actually at the ground at various venues throughout this year. I think I've seen Fox do it a few times from the, from the bunker. Uh, I don't think Fox are flying anyone anywhere. Yeah, exactly. So that means they're all in Victoria. So there's, it's ingrained there. It's on location really for the Vicks. So I don't think it's going anywhere anytime soon, to be honest. Yeah, well, yeah, there's a bit of convenience about that, obviously. Rusciuto lives in Adelaide. Yeah, COVID related as well, given, you know. Yeah commentators with families getting stuck over but um it's it's such a part of our uh, our football speak that term oh yeah yeah and it sort of it has to be a little bit but um how would you go like hearing that if you were that player would you wear it as a badge of honor or would you just sort of shrug it off or not care or would it be fire you up a little bit uh i'd be making sure my manager gets snippets of it for my next contract negotiation and just be like, <laughs> this is what they're saying. So I'm coming to, I'm coming to Essendon. I'm coming to Collingwood. Uh, you got to pay me top dollars. Cause as soon as I come to your club, they're going to be talking about me. That's, that's what I'd be doing. I wouldn't, most players wouldn't worry about it and they just go about their business. Um, yeah. but it's just, it is, it's a bit like a backhand compliment really. 
Yeah, I find it funny too because I've, it's a bit misinformed, particularly the McCluggage example, because Brisbane made a bit of a a trend out of getting, you know, the boys out of Vic country, you know, boys that weren't from that sort of Vic metro area because, you know, they wanted them to bond and they wanted them to sort of get out of this Victorian bubble. So to say, oh, if, if he was a Vic, he'd get this recognition just goes against why he was recruited. They didn't want him to be part of that bubble and they didn't want him to be in that Vic bubble and he's performing probably because he's not. So it was it's a poor take. Yeah. Uh, and look, that strategy's definitely worked for them uh, down there, so... Uh, more power to them. I just I heard it and I just thought that really that helps <laughs> me push my own narrative. Just jotted it down and saved it for this uh, podcast. I want to get to the next segment because I'm intrigued. Now we've got this on the run sheet. We've got we're going to classify the ladder. So you've got some categories here. We've got contenders, up and comers, rebuilding, and no man's land. And we're going to go through the ladder and put your club where we think they are at the moment. Obviously, some categories you'd rather be in than not, and some that you definitely uh, don't want to bar of. So I'll hand it over to you, Seb, but the first one, contenders. Who do you have in there? Yep, so contenders, pretty obvious. These are teams that are contending for a flag this year and I guess for the foreseeable future. So I guess that's really only three years from now, but clearly teams that are contending. So... The dogs are contending. The D's are contending. That's going to be a ripper Friday night clash. Um, assuming the dogs can get out of their uh, isolation, they're self-isolating at the moment, Tom. Yeah, that's correct. Uh, Geelong contending. Brisbane. You have to say Brisbane are contending after six on the trot. You'd have Port in that category, although <laughs> looked really shaky the past. Yeah, they've had a great fortnight. I throw West Coast in that category. They're getting some players back and will find some form. I'm confident of that. Yeah, you've, you've got them there rather than no man's land. They could very quickly tip the no man's land. They're in the eight. They've got games at home coming. Um, I mean, they've got the Bombers at home this weekend. You'd tip them to win that. Yeah, that's uh, true. And I'd throw Richmond in as contending because till they're out of the finals, I probably wouldn't write them off this year. Uh, so what's that? Six teams that are contending. I think that's fair. You probably find them in the first six lines of betting. Yeah, um, I think, yeah, that you've got seven there. So that that's a... A fair selection, that yeah, and you're right, that'd be the first seven. I'd agree with you, yeah. Look, little six. query six, sorry, yeah. Um, didn't have Sydney, didn't have Sydney. Um, throw in the Tigers, so I think that's seven. Um, yeah, it might be seven, yeah, no, all good. Uh, yeah, I'm with you, yeah. Only doubt on uh, West Coast there, just given I'd, I don't really know where they're at right now, but I know if their list is going as well as it should be. Uh, like we've said on paper, that they they can be up that pointy end. So I'm happy with that seven. That's the contender seven. Yep, yep, they're contending. So the next year, up and comers. So no shame in being in this level. You just, there's a little bit to go before you make that next step. So Sydney are probably outperforming expectation at the moment. Yep, they're definitely Sitting in there. six, so they're up and comers. The Giants who, uh, look, it, after about round three, it looked dire, and they've really bounced back with some form, sitting in the eight currently. Uh, gee, I think I had them eighth when I did my ladder, but that's all right. We'll cover that soon. <laughs> I'm not uh, of that. They, look, they've lost, obviously lost a lot of players, um, sort, but they've always managed to keep picks coming in the door. They got three for Cameron. Uh, did they get, they get one for Zach Williams? Yeah, I believe they got well, one they for Zach Williams, pick. and they got uh, Caldwell as well, so they got a few out of that as well. 
Yeah, so they've always had picks coming back in the door for these players that are out. So they've actually got a hell of a lot of young talent there. They haven't been able to expose, and now they're being forced to expose it. Uh, so I still have them as up-and-comers, and they may just end up being a little bit of a football factory for years with up-and-comers. Who knows? It's just <laughs> the unfortunate thing of being an expansion side. Um, they're doing it a hell of a lot better than their counterparts on the Gold Coast. Um I have Rich, uh, Richmond. I have Fremantle as up and comers. Yeah, I'm, I'm bullish on them. I think they're right there. They're five and five. Um, they probably look. It's going to come down to they've got to win all their games at home and pinch a couple on the road. Um, what games they pinch on the road is probably going to be the biggest question. Like, is it Collingwood here at Marvel? Uh, you know, they've got the Dogs at home. Maybe playing Hawthorne down in Tassie. They can pinch that one. Um, you know, there's a lot of... They've got the Cats at home. That'll be a tough game, even though it's at home. So they could pinch some play finals. Maybe not, but it's not a wasted year. No, I and I'd it. agree with that because I think, uh, yeah, on your wavelength there, because I guess they've gotten the games into into a few of the young fellas, Darcy, Brayshaw, Chera, you know... At, Lukey Ryan is an absolute star. So, yeah, they're far from rebuilding. I, I've got them with you right up in that up-and-coming section. Yep. I don't have anyone else up-and-coming at the moment. Um, there's a lot of teams that I think are pressing on the door and maybe think they should be up-and-coming, but they're not. They're not at all. Um, there's a few other things that happen. So, the more interesting categories, I guess, you've got rebuilding. Yeah which is certainly okay to be in for one to two years, and no man's land. Yeah, so... That's where you don't want to be, You Tom. do not want to be there. So I'll throw one at you just skipping ahead on the ladder a little bit, but the sun. So, I mean, they they're are no, up and no coming, but you've got them in no man's land. I, I really struggle to place them because, yeah, they're up and coming. They've got a lot of young talent, but are they in a rebuild? Well, how many rebuilds can they do to this joint? Yeah, that's probably fair. No man's land. I... I, I they could really fit in either uh, of our three, but I'm with you. No man's land. I think that's fair because that every time they get out, give us a little glimmer, it's always one step forward, two steps back with them. So, yeah, yeah they're just, I mean, they're not yo-yoing anywhere. They're basically caught in the bottom six and not leaving. So that is a no man's land. Yeah, I mean, if you, and if you just look at, look at their year, they beat North at home. You expect them to win that. They lost to the Crows at home. They lost to Carlton. The Crows in Adelaide. They lost to Carlton at home, which on face value wasn't a great performance. Uh, belted by the Dogs, fair enough. Then they came out and belted the Swans. Yeah. The <laughs> then they came out and beat the Pies by four goals down here. And, you know, that's two back-to-back -back wins. It's great. Then they lost to the Saints. Probably should have won that game. And then they got belted by the Lions. And look, the game against the Cats was a pretty... Much a snooze fest, but it was over pretty early. Um, so I've got them in no man's land till they jump up, or they—I guess it's hard—they can't sit there and go through a rebuild because it'd be to quote Mark Neal, it'd be a rebuild of a rebuild yeah. of a rebuild. Um, they need to just stick fat and try and bring in some more bigger bodies. Like I think Brandon Ellis has been a good recruit for them. Yeah, Hugh Greenwood's um, been a massive one. Greenwood's been great. It, it, yeah, it's that step, isn't it? Just to go from sort of this, yeah, 12th, 13th double-figure position on the ladder to actually not just sneaking into the eight, just looking like you belong there. So th that's why they're in no man's land because I don't think they belong anywhere bar the bottom six. Yep. 
Yeah, no, I agree. And if they can bring in some of those players and start just keeping these games into the kids, they'll start rocketing up and then you try and bring a big fish in. You know, you've just got to go... <laughs> Look, it's hard. It's really hard given their expansion side with no real sort of history and culture. But until they can really do something and start firing up and really play a final, that's no man's land, the Suns. Yeah, no, that, that's fair footy. Where do you have the Dons? I'm, I'm thinking they're rebuilding. So a lot of, lot of young talent going through there. We've seen it and we've enjoyed what we've seen from them. Um, you could say up and coming, but I think that they are real roar at that, uh, that youth that they've brought in. I mean, yeah, you're sort of talking three top 10 picks, first year players started well, but hard to sort of say you're up and coming when we don't really know how their careers are progressing off to a good start, but not progressing uh, any further than that. So I'm, I'm, I'm pretty comfortable putting them in the rebuild category. Oh, yeah, they're rebuilding, and they said that at the start of the year. And that was obviously intention. Saad leaving, Danaher leaving. Had those three picks in a row. Um, what the Bombers need to be careful of is not to end up in no man's land. And that is... Look, they've played some good footy, and they're like literally one game out of the eight. And they've had three very close losses, so any of those go the other way, they're sitting eighth. Two of them go the other way. They're, oh, they're still they're still eighth. Um, if all three of them go the other way, they're sitting sixth. Someone was telling me they'd be top four. Jeez, they're mad those bombers fans. Um, my point is, Jesus, if they keep strange. going on this track and finish ninth or tenth or something, and suddenly go, hang on, we got these kids, we have got these players, we could really do something here, and then they go, all right, let's bring in player X on. 900. Yeah, at age 28. They can very quickly (laughs) sit back to no man's land because they've had this draft really well. Like Harrison Jones looks like he's a player. Um, A lot of the pieces there, they need to go again. Not not go again. They don't have to drop to the bottom, but they just need to invest more in the draft and say, yep, we're still rebuilding. Um, Great, we're playing probably ahead of schedule, but let's not put the cart before the horse and suddenly start bringing all these players going, yep, we can jump from 10th to 5th next year and and get a home final, you know. Um, If they do that, they can very quickly stay in no man's land and then it can be pretty hard to get out of that part of the ladder. No, agree with you there. And I reckon Adelaide, probably you could put them in a similar basket as well. So they're rebuilding. Obviously, last year was a shocking year. Got a lot of games into the kids. Um, But yeah, they're, they're transitioning from how they sort of brought that senior core that was playing really well in that late uh, 2010s period. But, yeah, a lot, lot of kids coming through. Good, good, yeah, as I said, good senior talent. But they're another one that I think the, the key for both Essendon and Adelaide is just patience. So, you know, they, they, are, they have done it tough or are going to do it tough. Uh, it's just that ability to just stick on that path and not try and rush it by just, yeah, going a, a little marquee signing probably a, ahead of time, I guess. The thing for them both is to get their young groups playing a lot of footy together for a number of years. So that'll be what sets them on the right path. And I guess this year you can probably think they're going to get a top 10 pick as well, keep complementing it with the draft picks, and then there'll be that year where it's not, it's top eight time and then they can build from there. So no, Adelaide rebuilding as well. Yeah, and and if you look, Adelaide have got four wins, which is, so they're a game of percentage outside the eight, but they've beaten 15th and 18th. 
which you'd expect them to do. And they've beaten second and third. <laughs> They're two fluke wins. Yeah. Um, <laughs> well, fluke, I did call one of them, but, you know, here we are. Um, but it, it sort of falsifies their record a little bit. They're definitely rebuilding. Um, again, probably in the same position as the Bombers if they get caught and think they're doing better than what they are and start going, let's play finals and let's let's bring these guys in. They could get stuck in no man's land. Uh, I've got two other teams in no man's land. Carlton are sitting there. Um, Carlton are yeah. sort of the, uh, the captain coach. They're, they they sort of own no man's land for what feels like the last 15 years. Oh, Ed, they are the mayor of no man's land as we speak. Yeah, the Duke of No Man's Land. That is that is the Carlton Football Club. They get the high draft picks. They draft the talent. The talent comes in. They go all right. People start thinking they're going to do really, really well. A lot of us don't understand that fully. And here we are. They're sitting four wins, six losses. Some games they probably should have won. They were in games. Got themselves in positions to win but didn't win. Uh, they... They're, look, look. They've made the mistakes that you were mentioning before. They got, they got Toey. Yeah, a few good glimpses, and it's, it's, yeah, it's either been barrel in with the draft picks or it's been barrel in with a few mature age recruits. Um, you think of sort of McGovern, Sard Williams. Ooh. We're sort of seeing how that pans out, but yeah, McGovern's one. You know, and then yeah, getting your draft picks wrong. So they just, they just continually just walk towards that top eight door. Maybe knock on it, but then it's like, oh no, 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 we're not doing this, and, and they bail. That that is no man's land for me because, yeah, we could have had this discussion about how they're going, and probably five years ago, uh, and it would be similar. So they really haven't changed, and yeah, that's no man's land. Yep, they're look, them and the Suns are really fighting it out. They'll be up for the next election for the <laughs> yeah. the uh, premier of no man's land right there, uh, and I have to include the Saints in no man's land. Uh, big yeah. things talked at the start of the year. Won a played a final. Won a final. We were going to push for top four. Uh, the world's come caving in. There's uh, more consistency in uh, Jake Stringer's performance than there is in Ooh, uh, that hurts. In, the, in the consistent. Uh, but I, you've topped up. You're paying Hanabry a lot. You're paying Brad Hill a lot. Uh, I've got a question for you later in the rapid fire about the Saints. There's no, there's no secret the Saints struggles, so we don't need to dive right into it. But it could be no man's land for a while if if we don't turn the ship around. Yeah, look, I, I'm with you on that. That that's where I sit, particularly because this year, yeah, I. It's becoming clearer. I've sat here a couple of times and said I don't know what team is going to turn up week to week. Now starting to get an idea that the team turning up is not that good. So obviously we went all in on the recruits last year and I still pat them on the back for that because uh, it sort of it, it brought us from that sort of richo era of being really in no man's land. We really, his whole tenure in no man's land, got competitive, got to a spot where, we're, yeah, we could contend uh, for that top eight, got in, won a final. The decision there was... Yeah, now let's top up. And that has now left us in no man's land. So all the players that we brought in, you know, weren't meant to be, I guess, they were meant to make us take that next step. Um, but now with a few injuries and, and a bit of depth, um, it's really just come back and really bitten us. So, yeah, we're in no man's land because 
geez, after all that investment, you can't really, um, you know, go back to a rebuild. That would be an absolute disaster. It was, yeah, top four talk. So, <laughs> and we're not we're not at top four level, that's for sure. So we're just caught in this, yeah, no man's land purgatory, whatever you want to call it. It, it ain't pretty. And uh, yeah, hopefully we're not going to be mayor of this area, but I'm hoping we can get out of there quick smart. But it has yeah, proven uh, difficult for a club to, to if they get a little too comfortable in this area. Yeah. It, look, it comes back to decisions off-season, really, list management decisions um, and bringing in some certain players. But it's certainly no man's land for now. The question is, how do you steer the ship from here to get out of it? Um, Correct. there's obviously enough talent to play finals, given you did it last year. Um, it's a question of putting it all on the park and effort. Effort is the big thing at the moment. I don't need to tell you, Tom. You got a nice letter from your president over the last couple of days. Yeah, you are yeah. a member, of course, so you get those ones. Got um, that one, seven fifty sharp. It was it was lengthy. Um, let's let's straighten back up. Uh, the couple of teams that we've got here. So look, I could lump them together: Collingwood, Hawthorne, North Melbourne. You, look, you would say well, across the board that they're rebuilding, but there, the the thing you've got to, I guess, look at with those three is. Do you just say they're rebuilding because they're low on the ladder or are they actually really in no man's land because they're really starting from scratch? And I'm not putting your boys in there. I'm putting the Hawks in no man's land because... Uh, I think at the start of the year, Collingwood and Hawthorne were no man's land. Collingwood in particular, we won a final in Perth, you know, we're going to do this and that. And you go, yeah, but from that team, you've taken out Stevenson and Trelaw. There's a lot of speed in there. Phillips has gone too. Phillips went to Hawthorne, so Hawthorne in the no man's land too. Um, But Collingwood at the start of the year, they were no man's land. Now they're rebuilding because they're questioning everything from their coach down to the last player on the list. So Collingwood are certainly rebuilding, whether they admit it or not. Um, But it was sort of forced upon them. Um, They were playing in a grand final three years ago and now they're rebuilding. Yeah, look, that that that's true. I, I'm still keen to keep the Hawks in no man's land because, look, I know they, they are trying to rebuild, but I just don't know where that improvement's going to come from. I mean, yeah, you, you could talk about, a, you know, a couple of kids, but it's really a handful or or even sort of 10 to a dozen if you really want to rebuild properly, and, they, and they're just not there. So um, yeah. they, they've got to... It might depend what they do with the likes of Mitchell and even Jagger and Mira. Yeah, well, so they've got a little bit of currency, but I guess they've got to, if they're going to do that kind of thing, they've got to lay a foundation before they can even rebuild. So they're in no man's land. Yep. Yep, uh, that's fair. That's fair. Uh, look, they started thinking they could play finals, and it wasn't until recently Jeff Kennett came out and declared, no, we're, we're rebuilding or resetting or whatever. <laughs> that was bizarre was coined, from a president, but, yeah. Um, They're not... Yeah, yeah, that might have just... Look, in five weeks, they could be full rebuild once they've realised. I think this is the third or fourth year in a row. They have they were the team that lost to the last winless team. Yeah, that's a great stat. It's true, yeah. So um, last year, I think it was Adelaide. This year, obviously, your boys uh, might need to de- check the textbooks on the 2019 one. But, that you know, that's not a, not a great stat to be a part of that one. Um, uh, and just to finish off the list, North clearly rebuilding. No, no if ands or buts. You um, said that as soon as Noble stepped into the coach's seat, you were up front with that. So I got no problems putting you in the rebuild category. Yeah, we should have declared it the year before when Shaw came in, but that's another story. So, 
I think that's a fair little breakdown, Tom. Yeah, I like it. We want to hear from the listeners. So email, mailbag, Instagram, Facebook, we're, we're many a platform. So hit us up with your thoughts on that one. Um, obviously, yeah, plenty to, to digest, but if you're not yep. happy with where your club is, let us know. And I can tell you, Tom, don't be that guy who next week says, oh, I've had a question for them. I should have sent it in. Don't yeah. be that guy. Just send it in. Send it. Pull over Just... your car and send it right now if you're driving and listening to your podcast. Yeah. Yeah. There's no reason. Two seconds. Quick flick it in. We'll answer it. Uh, we have an abundance of time to go through your questions. The match review officer lottery has struck. <laughs> again, I wanted to Tom. hear that word lottery. Uh, so Nick Holman got two weeks for a rundown tackle on Mitch Duncan, who was concussed. Uh, we had... It did Sorry, can I, I, I've I? missed a step on that one. So have they appealed that the Suns or are they accepting yeah. the two weeks? No, no, Holman just got off about, as we record, we'll break the fourth wall about five minutes ago. Ah, okay. It was announced. Good, well, good, that's a little scoop. You probably already knew it, but uh, that, that's live for us. So uh, yeah, that, that's, that's good news. Um, I think the game it would have been some sort of disrepute if that two weeks was uh, was left to stand. Yep. So the Lockie, Lockie Plowman one was upheld though. So he went and spoiled the ball, and in the process cleaned up Jager O'Meara. Yeah. I, look, I, I had a look at that one and sort of use the the freeze frame. And look, we're talking minute milliseconds involved here, but he was just that fraction late, and obviously you know, whacked him and concussion involved, but it was that, I think it was, for me, it was a microsecond too late from being a spoil. Now, look, he went for it, but yeah, he went out with that action. I'm, I'm, I'm actually happy with that one. I think that's fair. Yeah. So yeah, I'm talking a split second of time uh, involved in it. So there's not much in this one at all. And yeah, live, you would have said play on, but yeah, they have the benefit of slow-mo the match review office, don't they? Uh, yeah, yeah, he does. But I just think, I think everything should be judged in real time. And if a player's got eyes for the ball and then it turns into a brace or contact, that that happens. Like it's a contact sport. They're starting to try and rule that out. If this Nick Holman one got upheld, you could almost say it's the death of the, the chicken wing tackle. Because it's almost the death of the ground. Because he held tackle. his arm, so he couldn't brace himself. If he didn't hold his arm, he wouldn't have hit his head, right? But then you can't tackle properly. So well, that that was start- textbook technique, wasn't it? That's sort of how we're taught to tackle. Is is the way he he, he did it? Yeah, hundred percent. And then, well, look, it's just it's farcical, is what it is. And I've heard the media finally starting to question whether we have the right officer for the job. Like, I don't think Michael Christian's got any idea what he's doing, and I don't know if he's actually doing it or if he's being instructed by the uh, by the AFL to come down on some of these. But well, it just it that, makes that's no a sense. that's a fair question. Is is it time to? I mean, do you want someone who is involved in the game, maybe past player or past coach, or do you want someone completely independent, no ties to the game? Maybe then we can feel a little bit more confident the AFL's not in their pocket, but. Do you want someone like that in that position? I think ideally you'd have three people just completely independent. None of this matrix rubbish. Oh, well, if it goes high and the impact... Because I have to judge impact. It's just... It makes no sense. Yeah. You'd have... 
at this point, it's pretty clear to me you'd have better luck going down to a random pub in Melbourne, picking out three blokes who follow the sport. All right, what do you think of this incident? And you get a better outcome than going through the match review officer and his and his ranking system and points and all this other rubbish. Um, was there the potential for injury? Yes, no. Well, there's potential for injury with every action in the game. Every time you step out, there's a potential you can get hurt. So if we start grading by that, then I could suspend. I could suspend half the league, like yeah. <laughs> pretty quickly. I reckon if I said, "Oh, well, you know," in theory, you'd have to start. Like if they want to go down the path of this tackle being a suspendable offence, which is what they're saying, the fact he got off doesn't mean they don't want to look at removing the concussion. The mark's the next thing, because a player jumping up with his knees up into the back of someone's head, I'm telling you, is dangerous, Tom. I don't want to <laughs> see it go, that but one. If, if this is what they're going to do and the, if the tackle goes, what like we're just going to just put him in uh, bubble wrap. Like... It's no, just, look, it, 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 I'm with you. No, <laughs> this has come up a fair bit. I mean, yeah, we, we dropped the lottery tag in there, but I mean, this was in our throughout our 2020 and we brought it up in our how to improve the game segment. It, it just isn't getting better anytime soon. So It's not look, hard to get better, though. That's what frustrates people. Yeah. You just need three people with, a, I guess, a well-educated opinion, whether they've played or not, Um you still have to sort of understand the flow of the game and how things work. Um, it's pretty clear the umpires have a real struggle of understanding the flow of the game and players' intention, which, again, rapid fire. I've got one for you. <laughs> uh, but it it's not that hard, but we're making it harder and harder and harder, and we bring in this this table with the level of impact, how high it was, like all that sort of stuff. Somehow look, it's made it harder and more confusing because it's all still subjective. Correct. Look, I've I got to be honest. It is one of my least favourite topics to talk about the tribunal because because of that reason. It is technical. It's subjective. It is look and feel. It's it's slow-mo. It, it, it's video. I've got actually another question actually on video to ask you later on. But th there's so many factors. There's so many different angles. There's so much we can't get right. So many things we're not accounting for. The just the way it's structured there, how many times they've changed this tribunal thing. And, and this is the classic airtime that you get, you know, after all the Monday reviewing of the team, then it's all this tribunal, like Tuesday, Wednesday, that part of the week. It's my least favourite part of the week because it's not talking about the games uh, and the matchup. So, yeah, look, please, AFL, get it right. Well, I'm sick of talking about it. You're sick of seeing all this bobble up every, basically, weekly or fortnightly at least. Please fix it. Is all we can say. What do you reckon? Yeah, no, I agree. I um, I might just have to document a ten point outline as to how they can fix it and send my resume in. <laughs> like, seriously, I could sit there and review it once a Friday, Saturday morning, Sunday morning, Monday morning. Give me an hour, and they can just send me every reviewable incident, and I'll give them one week, two weeks, fine, no case. Yeah, I'll, look, I like rates, it. It's a thousand an hour. That's three grand a week. That's nothing. It's done by the end of the weekend, so that's what you want. Yeah, I can certainly help in that regard. But look, I think we spent enough time on the lottery. Yep. Uh, Let's... University grades, Tom. I know there's one grade everyone wants from you, so <laughs> gotta wait a little bit till we get to that. We'll start Friday night, Brisbane. Tigers, a real heavyweight clash. They've played off in a couple of finals the last couple of years. This is a little bit of a uh, bubbling little rivalry, this one. There's 
just... Oh, yeah. It, it's come about, obviously, yeah, some massive games and they don't like each other and they now they're, you know, showing it as well a little bit more. Um, yeah, it was, it was a great game to watch. Um, you know, Tigers jumped out of the blocks early. Um, I think it's a fair statement to say that, that Jack Rewald is no longer a four-quarter forward. He just pinches... In, he, sorry, not pinches. He just pitch hits into games, comes in, does his thing, and he's out. Um, I'm not sure he, he's giving four quarters there. I mean, we sort of saw that on the weekend. He sort of jumped out early, got a couple, got his tail up, goes missing for a patch, might get involved late. Um, he is done as a four-quarter footballer, I think is fair to say. Um, not saying he's not a great uh, of, of Richmond. He, he's a common medalist, great player, but... Um, I, yeah, that's just what I'm seeing in him personally. Um, I, I love the Reese Matheson stuff uh, from the young line. Yes, he's just trying to get his uh, spot in the team, so maybe lock that one up first. But that's that's the kind of character we're sort of missing in our game. I, I don't like too much uh, of the of the robot types, and that wasn't. And it was a talking point, and we all loved it. And you know, he, they backed it up because they won. So thank God that happened, because we would have ripped him if we <laughs> if they didn't. But anyway, I'm digressing. It's a distinction for Brisbane and a f- fail for Richmond, I reckon. Almost, almost yep. passed them, but they didn't. They didn't quite no, get the job done, so I can't pass them. So fail and distinction. You know, you couldn't pass Richmond losing again. Like they're five and five. That they they've now got to start winning these the games. Ninth meant actually gonna... now back in ninth, which yes. a lot of people have pointed out. Order is starting to be restored. Um, I saw it pretty much the same distinction for Brisbane. Look, they didn't... They started to run, run away with it. They didn't. They did. Um, I'll give them a distinction because Richmond anywhere is a tough ask, at the, even at the moment. Um, you know, 12 months ago, it was real tough. Uh, fail for Richmond. They are... Yeah, look, depends what level of expectation you have for Richmond, to be honest. Do you expect them... I didn't expect them to win, so I'll give them... I expect them to be a bit more competitive, so I'll give them a fail. But uh, Richmond of old, they would have loved, they would have eaten that Reese Matheson stuff alive and yeah, fed off it, and just come back and just drilled him, and they just couldn't. So make of that what you will. But yeah, yeah, Richmond. Who do they play this weekend, Tom? Richmond. They have just updating my Adelaide. Uh, Adelaide at the MCG. Oh, so the we MCG. won't learn a whole lot of, about uh, the Tigers. The I don't think this week. Uh, might learn more about the Crows. Um, speaking of the MCG, the next game, Carlton Hawthorne. Obviously, we covered the uh, match review out of that one. Look, Blues did what they had. I um, did what they had to do. You you were expecting them to beat the Hawks. I mean, there was a lingering feeling given it was uh, Carlton, but they got the job done. Sam Walsh just keeps on and on. Good to see uh, Zach Williams in the possessions. Uh, Doherty on a wing, I think, was a little bit of a, a nice little one that they found there, given that if you're going to uh, sort of spread your uh, unaccountability out of your back line, wing's probably a good spot to have it. So he he's getting... Uh, some ball out there. Loving the work of uh, Ed Kerno. There is a Kerno on the Blues and his name's Ed and he is actually flying. He has gone under the radar. He's just accumulating for them. Uh, I might be biased because he's in my super coach and scoring well, but he's an unfashionable footballer, but he is actually helping them. Uh, I know he's been in that list clogger conversation, but he is helping you this year. Uh, for the Hawks, look, Tommy Mitchell did a, a classic Tommy Mitchell game, had 44. Is there anyone that gets more... Wasted possessions and Tom Mitchell. 
he's a he's a magnet, but they just they're happy to let it happen. I don't I've yeah. never seen anything like it. I'm with you. Yeah, well, he can go all day, get all the possessions he wants, but I'd rather watch the blokes on the outside who are actually hurting you. Um, I think his brother plays the same way at the local level, so it must be something they do. They just work out how to get the ball and aren't too worried about what they do with it. Yeah, and look, they're bringing through a but almost a Mitchell clone in uh, Warple. He, he he does a similar thing too, but he's a worse kick, if you can believe that. So, um, mm. yeah, that might be a little harsh on the Warpedo BNF winner, but he can cop that. Uh, look, two passes. Usually I fail the Hawks because I'm sick of the gallant losses, but I've got to be honest, I only caught patches of their game. I was more focused on the Blues in my viewing of it. So um, pass for both, I think. It's a classic double pass. Yeah, I give a pass to Carlton, definitely. They got the win, had to get the win. Um, four and six there, as we just covered, they're still in no man's land. Uh, I give the Hawks a fail. They aren't going to have many winnable games, and they didn't really fire a shot in the second half. Two goals total, one goal each quarter. Uh, that was their chance to win, and they just didn't fire a shot. Don't think they really have many shots to fire at this point in the year. Um, yeah, that's fair. Look, I can tell you from the only club below them, uh, you get a winnable game, you want to come out and make the most of it, and they just didn't. Yep, yeah, fair. Pass and fail, I like it. Look, the next game, I will. Anyone who isn't a Cats fan or a Suns fan and watch this game, I will give you a free mailbag question if you tell me you watch this one. Because if you're not a Cat or a Sun, you wouldn't have seen any of this game. No offense to the Suns and Cats fans out there. Um, I watched the whole thing, Tom. <laughs> well, you can have a free mailbag question, Sev. You, well, I'll give you another rapid fire, actually. Um, good on you. That That's good. Look, it was on the Saturday afternoon, which, as we said before, suits. Uh, but I, I would have thought your eyes might have been on the Carlton Hawks game. But, good. look, give me your review because I not I didn't see a whole lot of it. Uh, so I'm, I'm interested uh, in your take. It seemed a classic game that you would have expected out of this matchup. Yeah, it was third playing 14th. Um, the Cats sort of, they sort of jumped them a little bit. They just controlled the game. Um, the, there's not a whole lot to reveal in it because you're watching it the whole time and going, yep, yep, yep. Expect this, expect that. Yep, Hawkins got a couple, Cameron's got three. Uh, Mitch Duncan will be a big loss for this week. Um, my man, Shawnee Higgins. Was doing a few classy things, running around there, um, sort of showing his stuff. Took Miller was outstanding for for the Suns. Um, Isaac Rankin, he's a, he's got so much talent and just doesn't seem to care when he's out there playing. It, it, is um, he one that might benefit from being at a Melbourne club? I think he'd be benefit from being dropped, to be honest. But no one cares up there. Have yeah. you seen the um, the Herald Sun offshoot? Do you know who writes the sports articles for that paper up there? No. It's members of the Gold Coast Suns media department. Oh, geez, that's uh, unheard of. That that that's would true. not fly anywhere in any other state. That's unbelievable. They've got no one to pay to write the story, so they just get the media department in. So, geez, that's not, that's ideal. They don't go harsh. It's just it's sort of a win-win because they're writing from the, the club website anyway. Um, Max King kicked three goals too. Max King, Ben King. Oh, he's on the, the brain. Uh, uh, wow. Look, it was it was really good. Um, 
and it just went the way you'd expect a Cats Suns game to go down there. I thought the Cats might have just got hold late and kicked, you know, seven goals to in the last quarter as they're prone to do when they're on top. Uh, but look, it's a it's a pass for Geelong. They just it was still a game where they're just ticking, but uh, you can often have a mid season lull. You know, May, June, July, it's real common. Um, and they're banking the wins for if that really does happen. They've still got them up their sleeve. And they are... Look, it wasn't like you could say maybe Port had a bit of a sleep and just got over the line by a point. The Cats were in full control and just won by 34. And you don't write home like about an it. So, organised unit. Yeah, pass for the Cats fail for the Suns who really expected them to win down there they did fight they did a few things they did a, like I mean the last quarter was four goals apiece um, second quarter was two goals apiece it was two goals five to two goals one so maybe the Suns sort of lost their chance there but um, it sort of went as you'd expect yeah look based on that reason I'm just double passing this one I think yeah I mean you could have guessed the score and you wouldn't have been far off in this one it just a it's the classic uh, layout of how we thought this one would go. The upset of the round, and you you picked this one, the, the Crows getting over the line against the Ds. They were due for a loss, as we've all been saying, and it finally came Saturday afternoon at Adelaide Oval. So um, caught, I, I caught, uh, yeah, plenty of this game uh, on my way to the Saints uh, doggies. And look, they... I don't know if the D's were off or one of those classic games where the better team plays to the lower team's level. The Crows were up for the fight as they are. It had, yeah, like we mentioned, the shades of that round one with the Cats. The D's able to stay with them for a bit longer. Um, But this is a classic game where if the result's the other way around or if certain things happen that it completely changes our scores but I should point out to our D's fans that you should have been rewarded minimum two free kicks in that last two minutes Ben Keys took on about eight blokes and he had an awesome game and he's in great form underrated at the moment but he took on at centre half forward a few Melbourne blokes somehow I don't think he handballed it I think it popped up and he sort of knocked it with the you know the arms that were also tackling him and it led to Tex having that shot cool as you like my boy Tex goes back and slots it and then of course that delivered out of bounds which the AFL has now come out and said was a mistake look D's fans you're still going to make the final so don't be too bitter but that was robbery you should have at least had a shot um yet again another game this year where we're sort of thinking a free kick and would it have changed the result that that's not what we want um yeah the AFL well, the umpire in that situation's got to be a little bit smarter. And dare I say, if it was the other way around, uh, a D doing that in the back line, the Crows fans would have gone berserk and the ump would have been uh, sucked in. But it was over in Adelaide and they got away with it. So, um, yeah, flip of the coin because of that. But it gives the Crows a HD for me. You, you beat the top side. I don't care where it is. You've got to give that uh, a pat on the back. And uh, the Ds, it's a fail. I don't think you want to be losing games like that. Um, you know, you're sort of giving the comp a little blueprint on how to go with you. So that's not a good Saturday. So HD and fail for me. What did you make of it, Seb? Uh, where do you reckon the game was won? Well, midfield would probably be a good place to start. Coaching box. You're, you're going up up in the box. Matty Nix just set the Crows up to win. Uh, look... 
there wasn't a lack of effort from the D's. You wouldn't be disappointed in terms of your team's effort. Obviously, you want to win them all, but you can't always win every single week. So you sort of got to just just let it go, D's fans. Uh, I just... He made them do what they didn't want to do, the D's. And I just thought it was really well done. I'm actually giving the D's a pass. I'm not, I'm not failing them. Wow. Well, not for losing by a point. That was a flip of the coin. No, fair. Um, I th- <laughs> it's, it's tough going to Adelaide and winning in at the best of times. They went over, they performed. Could have won. Could have lost by a few more goals, depending on which side of the coin you're sitting on. Look, I've seen free kicks that didn't go Adelaide's way through the game, but we're not talking about it because they didn't affect the last two minutes where Adelaide were up by a point. Uh, I'm going to ask you rapid fire about that as well. I think I've got about 10 questions on the rapid fire at this rate. (laughs) Adelaide get a distinction for knocking off the top side, but uh, it was pure luck. Flip the coin. They could have gone... Any any way, so I'm not I'm not giving them a high ranking just for that. Yeah, harsh but fair. I like it. So look, we get to a game that will be interesting for many to hear the the Saints versus Bulldogs game. Look off the top, and I was thinking this as soon as I walked out of the stadium. I did stay uh, till the very bitter end and saw our biggest loss at the Docklands, our worst loss to the Dogs, which really hurts me. Not a huge fan of the Dogs. Um, their fans are still awful. Um, I was thinking on my way back, I'm like, look, we've been to the coordinator's office that many times this year. Like, It's not a, a bed and breakfast, so enough's enough. I'm not giving the Saints a rating. They don't deserve one this week, and I'm not giving them one next week. It's a two-week or two-match suspension of grades. Uh, they're on notice, not f- yeah for an expulsion where I won't grade them again. But yeah, I'm not I'm not touching them this week. They uh, didn't earn any sort of grade, and the coordinator is sick of them. So they're 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 at home cooling their heels. Suspension, which is a new category I just made up, and I'm hoping you'll go with it. But we were it was awful. Yeah, no, I was. My grade was uh, time for a transfer. Like you've got to find a new uni. You've been expelled. Uh, yeah, I, I don't know what to say that hasn't already been said. So I don't think we need to uh, to dwell on it any longer. But um, I've seen the dogs at their best, and they are. You could say they're a bunch of downhill skiers, but they're a good football side as well. Just once they get on top. No, they're, they're happy to... It's, I mean, we've seen them smash both of our teams. So, yeah, we have seen a bit of the downhill scheme. But, look, they're happy to go and hunt the ball at all stages of the game. They play four quarters. Uh, if one goes down, one steps in, um, which I saw. And, look, I wouldn't recommend to any team in the comp to let the Bont do as he pleases because he will hurt you a lot. And he hurt us plenty. Uh, and he brought his midfielders with him. So, um, yeah, look. Distinction for the Dogs, this is a, up against a heated rival, one that beat them in a final last year, and they've turned the tables well and truly, so I'm giving them a distinction for that performance. Yeah, uh, I'll give them a high distinction, because any time you win by 111 points, uh, there's not much more that could have gone right. So uh, they're outstanding at their best. I think when they're playing their best footy, they're the best team in the comp. The question for yeah. them will be, at the business end of the season... The better teams do not allow you to play your brand of footy all the time. So 
how many counter punches do you have? They haven't had to have too many at the moment, so we'll we'll find out. I guess we'll find out a lot about them come Friday night, Tom. Yeah, oh, that that's just an absolute cracker. Um, so I mean, you're free to grade the Saints, but uh, if you want to join me, you, you're more than welcome on the suspension. Um, yep. Or- no, no, they need a suspension if they're yeah if they're allowed back at this university. That's <laughs> I think that's a that's an appropriate grade. Uh, Freo Sydney, buddies kick six. And Fife, who can't kick a goal to save himself, sends an ugly mongrel off his boot through, which ended up being the game winner. This game had it all. This was footy at its best. Um, I feel sorry that it wasn't on Channel 7, so the wider Australian public couldn't uh, see it, and it would save my Saints a little bit. Um, it, it just a, I think Channel 7 were happy about, weren't happy as well. Yeah, I can imagine they wouldn't have been. Correct. Uh, This one was an absolute cracker. This is, as we said, two up-and-comers, and and you couldn't have asked for a better game. Um, Just just brilliant, brilliant footy all round. So, look, yeah, you you can jump on on Buddy with with his big bag, and now, you know, we're we're liking that because it sort of gets him a little bit closer to the the Magic 1000. You know, Luke Parker keeps doing what he does. Jordan Dawson, he doesn't get enough credit from the Swans. I mean, Mundy and Fife are up there for Freo as well, but, you know, Chera and Sarong and Logue, look, they, these are all players and names we're learning or that we already know. It had it all this game, so uh, I'd much rather would have seen a contest like this um, on Saturday night. Uh, Grading-wise, I don't want to fail the Swans. Uh, I, I just don't think... I know they lost, but I, I liked it. I mean, yeah, they should have got the points as a top eight team. Look, maybe, but it is a long trip over to Frio. So, look, I'm happy to pass the Swans. And, look, Frio, against a real good unit, a top eight team, got the points done. Yes, it was at home, but they really had to guts that one out. So, distinction for Frio. Yeah, I think those grades are fair. Um, Distinction for Frio, they've beaten the top eight side, top six side. Uh, Sydney lost Noel Meyer is going down five few points over in the West. So... Uh, pass, pass for me, Tom. Certainly would agree with that. Uh, move across to Sunday slate of games. An interesting slate. Uh, I think the best one was the f- well, the best quality contest was the first one, with the Giants hosting the West Coast Eagles, who dare I say do not like to travel. <laughs> they, we, I think I've said it about Frio a few times, but yeah, just the lead lead boots that the the Eagles and Dockers have in their travelling kit. It's unbelievable. So, um, yeah, look, they this game was went right down to the end. Don't let the score fool you. The Eagles were right there at the very end of it, but the Giants are in some sort of form at the moment. And, look, dare I say, the fact that they're, well, I mean, they're always off-Broadway, but even more off-Broadway, given that they uh, started the season poorly. Now the pressure's a little bit off. The kids have come through. They're, they're playing some great, great footy. Um, you know, Lockie Whitfield backs changed them. Hopper, he, he keeps going to the next level. Tom Green, he it might be a sneaky smoky for the rising star in the form he's in. Tim Taranto keeps doing what he does. Um, you know, Gaff had 28, but did he hurt them? Probably not. Um, so look, I actually really like what the Giants put out there. I know the Eagles don't travel, uh, but they're still a good side. Yes, they're missing some names, but um, look, I don't just. This is just my gut instinct. I want to give the Giants a distinction. Maybe it's a little bit of credit from previous uh, weeks accumulating, but they're playing some good footy and getting the job done, and they've jumped back into the eight. So 
uh, distinction for the Giants. Um, and yeah, just sick of seeing the Eagles lose uh, this kind of game, uh, a winnable game that is uh, interstate. They're a fail. Yeah, I think you've summed it up pretty well. Um, the Eagles have flag aspirations, so they've got to be able to travel and beat the Giants, who are still middle of the table. Uh, good win from the Giants. Any time you look, they took care of business against West Coast. It was a tough game. They slogged it out. They got a few late and sort of sealed it up. But it was it was seesawing all day. I was riding this one because I was. I think one of two of my office that tipped the Giants. Everyone else went West Coast, and I was just sitting there loving it because <laughs> yeah. uh, I really got to win that. Um, so distinction for the Giants and fail for the Eagles. Real interesting one at the G, Tom. I, I wasn't watching this game, but I did. I did indulge in points bets deal where you need Charlie Dixon to kick one or more, and Port Adelaide to win by one to a hundred for three bucks, and I was like. Well, gee, Jeez, that's, that's good. A, that is good. S- same game multi is about a dollar seventy, so I was loving it. Actually, might be a dollar sixty, shorter than that. And Port Adelaide, they looked like they didn't get off the plane at all. They were yeah. just that, that it, it first quarter Port was Port Adelaide it, footy. It was that that first quarter was stunning for all the wrong reasons. Um, just checking the stats, your boy Dixon with one goal too. I, I don't know if I caught his, but he snuck it home for you, so that was a good result. Um, yeah, look, they, they were on the plane. Um, funny, this is a real side tangent, but did you know Ken Hinckley has a Coca-Cola problem? I could have said Coke problem and really stunned you, but he actually drinks so much of the stuff he can't sleep after games, so just go easy on the sugary stuff, Ken. Um, he would have been slamming it down in that first quarter, as we said, but look, the Pies, and this is why we're saying they are rebuilding. They, this is your classic youthful game. They just jumped them, all that excitement. Taylor Adams back, here we go. But just the juice in the legs of a young group, it just wore them down. And look, I'll give them a little bit of credit, the Pies, because the the power jumped out. Um, Pow Pepper went bang and, and winds, and it looked like, oh, geez, this could open up to four goals. They straightened up, and a couple of youngsters kicking goals was great to see. But um, yeah, just, just your new... Collingwood, if at their best, could have probably gone a few coast-to-coast or had a few plays, but Port Adelaide were smart at the very end there. They're a seasoned side, so they knew how to shut the game down. I think there weren't any scores in the last couple of minutes. Port did what they had to do. Look, this game wasn't pretty, apart from it being close. Um, Look, I'll give the Pies a pass. They they had a real crack. Um, Yeah, as I said, kids going well. Um, They'll be actually probably looking at the Oakley Chargers and looking at the young Dacos there who's racked up back-to-back 44 game, forty-four possession games in the NAB uh, under-18s. Um, yeah, so pass for Collingwood. Look, I, I have failed winning sides before, but I'm not going to do it this week. Port get a pass for me, but it is the bare minimum. This is like a 50.5% grade that they've just snuck it by the barest of margins for a pass. So, yeah, double pass, but... Yeah, it was close. Yeah, no, a double pass is appropriate. Uh, Port would have taken nothing out of this game except the four points, but ultimately, ultimately, that's all you need to take out. Uh, so they'll they'll be happy to get home and get on the familiar turf of the Adelaide Oval. Correct. So uh, it comes down to this game. This is a suburban war. This rivalry. Ooh, yeah. um, you're more. You're. I want to hear your take because uh, you went along, watched it at home. What, how did you say it? Uh, well, I, I couldn't get a ticket in the end, uh, so... 
only 33,000 went, but the tickets I was able to get a week prior were all sold out and allocated, so uh, I don't know how the ticketing system works, and I'm not going to try and work it perils out. Perils of having a Ruse uh, membership. Uh, sign up if you haven't already. Yeah, yeah. We desperately need it. 4.40 game Sunday, still not not an appealing time slot, so I did stay at home and watched it. Boy, was I glad it turned out like that. It wasn't a North home game, so we didn't need the numbers. Uh, yeah, traditional rivals, Essendon just jumped us and never looked back. Third quarter was competitive, but they were just better than us across the ground, through the middle, up forward, down back. Uh, Taron Thomas put together his best game I think I've seen him play for a while. Like he played well last week, but this was a losing side, so um, that's from a ruse point of view. But look, pretty simply, Essendon will get a distinction, and North Melbourne can go and see the coordinator for that insipid lack of effort performance. Uh, it seems every week we have an insipid effort. The Saints seem to top us, Tom. So we will see what happens <laughs> yeah, this week. I know what's going to happen this week. Anything could happen. Um, yeah, look, love, loving the form of the Bombers there. I mean, yeah. This was a game, yeah. You had genuine claims on 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 winning, really coming in. You, you'd had a win, and you know they had the wheel turned. And there was a little bit of hope. Don's, you know, we just we don't know what we're going to get with them. Sometimes, I mean, yeah, they, they've been consistent, but not full consistency. Not that much trust in them. Um, I mean, yeah, if you if you let Parish, Merritt, and oh, look, Heppel, Langford. Even Nick Hind. I mean, you you let all their prime movers off the chain, so that that's never good. Um, for the ruse, I mean, I, I I said this to you offline pre-game, but Ben Ten, he was going to rip it to shreds, and he did. He is just someone to go and watch as ruse fans. So I really enjoyed his game. Um, yeah, look like the form of uh, Taron Thomas. Um, yeah, for the Bombers, I mean. Big Harry uh, Jones stringing some goals together was great to see. Now, look, yeah, he, he's an excitement machine first year. Uh, he's going to be better for the run and, and better with the confidence winning this one here. I mean, Peter Wright got on the scoreboard for three. Um, you know, Cox, Waterman, Langford. Look, even team spread from the Bombers, which is probably what you want to see. Look, I, I thought about just passing them, but I guess the margin at 72, that it, that's a, a really solid performance from the Bombers. So I'll give them a distinction and... I'm not quite as bitter at your Rue boys. I might just fail you this week. Yeah, so we'll go with that. <laughs> uh, but now we're into the rapid fire, Seb. This is what we've been waiting for. We we come up with these questions throughout the week and, and save them up for this little segment. So I'll give you uh, the first hit, if you like. Uh, all right, let's... Let's go straight between the eyes. Could the Saints benefit from following the Bulldogs' lead at the selection table? So far, the Norm Smith medalist Jason Johannesson has missed out, and Vice-Captain Mitch Wallace can't seem to get in the side. It's kept the whole list on their toes, and they're playing the best footy in the comp. Uh, do the Saints need to look at this style of uh, team selection rather than giving out games? Uh, yeah, look, I'm not sure about the giving out games part, but I mean, maybe you could put Frawley in that category. But yeah, look, I, I'm fully with you on that. I'm turning on what we do with Hill. I think he, he could he could be one of them. I mean, um, uh, you know, Loney, he, he comes and goes. Butler, he, he's got to be in the gun there. We've already dropped Nick Caulfield, who, who was a top 10 pick and was having a good year last year. Um, it's finding that balance about like, 
how far do you go? Because I guess the Bulldogs have that luxury in that they've got a lot of depth. Um, so, you know, they can cover these cuts, even if it's sort of maybe an 80% for a 70. But if we're cutting our 80, I mean, the next player in is probably a 50. So uh, we, we can prune it, but can we prune too far? I mean... Um, do you need players who play for the jumper? Yeah, well, that that's the point that I've seen come up. I mean, we have the most uh, recycled players in the comp. So, yeah, it is a question of culture, I guess, when you've got that kind of thing because a lot of blokes are just new or they've come from other clubs. They don't... They've, we haven't grown our own, I guess you could argue. So um, that, that that's a fair point. Um, yeah, that, I mean... Uh, our captain Geary and co-captain with Jack Steele. Jack Steele, I mean, he came from the Giants, but he he's, he's still young, so he he's fair to build the Saints brand. But it's just yeah, how, how he builds it with him. Look, a lot of youngsters there, but it, it's just about getting it right on on the night. And yeah, my my questions are more, I guess, with the the coach's box and some of the decisions up there. Just having a game plan where you can put the brakes on five goals going to ten and twelve. Uh, we just can't seem to do that. So. Um, not sure. I think I've digressed from your question a little bit, but uh, yeah, I think we should get harsh at the selection table and, and make the twos something you don't want to be in because you've got to perform. So uh, I think we haven't played that card enough. Yep. you got to be ruthless. Ruthless from here on out. Exactly. I've got one for you, Seb. So Kyle Hardigan, he's just slung his elbow and whacked Sam Walsh. Now, correct me if I'm wrong, was the footage of that incident from a fan's phone Yep, that's how it got brought to their attention. So that, that was my question, which I just want to lead to how stunning that is, that that is acceptable footage, a fan's view of the game. I mean, we could all take our phone out and film absolutely everything. Do we want our game scrutinised at that level? We're accepting fan footage and it got a bloke suspended. That's crazy to me. But wouldn't they have found it anyway with a down-the-ground vision? Well, they should have run with that. I couldn't believe the fans' footage got to run. That, that's someone in the crowd. Well, that, some... that gets out on social media before the other footage can surface, I think. Um, Look, it maybe... was a bizarre way to have a suspension yeah. come about. I, I can give you that. Um, I just sort of think it would have been found out anyway, um, if, if even if this fan didn't exist or didn't. I don't know what they're doing, having their phone out filming that. Like, riddle me that. Like, what's this well, guy that, doing? That's the thing. That's what I mean. So this is just someone up in the stands. But, it, yeah, the timing of it, I mean, we saw that part of the clip. But had he been filming this duel all day, it, it, it seemed, look, I'm all for fan engagement. But I think, you know, let the AFL should have a, I mean, they do with this, with the down the ground. But they should have a level of camera that we don't need to rely on the fans capturing footage. I thought it was a bit amateur hour, to be honest. So I think I answered my own question there, Seb. So I can give you another one, uh, if you like, uh, just so you can have a say here. But is Jackson McRae of the Western Bulldogs the competition's most consistent player? He would have to be right up there. What's he? He hasn't dipped below 30 this year, I think. 31 might 40, be his had, lowest. Had another 41 on the weekend. He, yeah. Yeah, no, he's, um, he's setting the world on fire. Uh, and he's just enjoying having the likes of the Bont, Trelaw. Uh, obviously, Dunkley's out, but they've just got so many they throw through that midfield that you can't tag them all. You cannot get close to tagging them all. So he just sort of runs around, does what he wants. Uh, 
he may well be very much the most consistent player. Uh, I mean, do you put him in the the Tommy Mitchell category in that, you know, obviously the numbers are nice and consistent, but is, is he damaging? Uh, that's a good question. It's it's so hard to judge. Do you reckon he had 40 dead touches in an 111-point win on the weekend? Look, I, I thought... You know, we we could we just couldn't go with him. That first quarter, I didn't really notice him, I guess, after sort of the midway through the second quarter when the downhill started. I think he, he really was up and running when the whips were cracking early. So he he just caught my eye. And, yeah, he hasn't dipped below 30 all year. Um, you know, we've had some offline discussions about consistency. Well, you know, his performance, 30 possessions is a, is a good game of AFL, and he hasn't dipped below that. And I don't know if there's any that can compete with a stat like that. So I think... Yeah, he he has claims. Yeah, he does. He does. Um, it's very hard to judge because you'd almost only have to include midfielders in that. Even the best forwards can be held quiet for parts of games or have games where they return none or one goals. Um, I'm just looking through through the list, and you'd have to think some of the better players or the better teams are the more consistent ones. But even then, they have quiet quiet moments. Look. Tom, he's certainly right up there. <laughs> certainly like right up there. That's a little fence sit, but uh, very hard to call someone the most consistent across the whole comp. You obviously, we sort of mentioned it, you caught the end of the Crows-Melbourne game and there's a deliberate out-of-bounds call that wasn't made. Now, I don't think he made the call. He was a bit nervous. Froze in the moment up there with the Adelaide crowd. Probably just wanted to get out of there alive. Uh, but after he wasn't able to make that decision, and it was clearly deliberate. Yeah. I forget the insufficient intent. He just handballed it straight to the line because he knew he couldn't rush a point. <laughs> like, Correct. There was no other intention there. He, we he we don't at... need a new rule of insufficient intent. I think that rule's ruined the game. Do we just need to go to the last touch and just have take it out of the umpire's mind to guess what the players are doing because they've got no feel for the game. They've got no clue, to be perfectly honest. And we just go to last touch, and then we know that's a free kick. Yeah, look, it, it'd be a... I mean, the AFL's not averse to changing its rules, and it's addicted, actually, I think, to changing the rules. But I, I don't mind this one. I guess, you know, players are trying to keep it in, obviously, throughout the game. So I think if... Yeah, it's as black and white as who touched it last. It'll stop all these little deliberate things that we're worrying about. It'll, yeah, I mean, players won't go the boundary either at at the death. They'll probably just put it to a pack. So um, we're going to avoid embarrassing situations like this. Like uh, The AFL can't win, I guess, because if they don't say anything, then they're not really responding to the fans and, and the game. And calling it out shows that they're just, they continually just throw the umpires under the bus, so they can't really win in this situation. Um, I think it'll help them. Let's let's go to last touch. Oh yeah, um, you know I'm not a traditionalist in, yeah. in any sense of the word. Uh, last touch makes sense. Uh, I don't think they'll be quick to adopt it because the Sandful are doing it with much success at the moment, and they won't want to be seen to be copying something from Adelaide. So, you know, the <laughs> Victorian people won't want to copy something from South Australia. So they'll take a while to get to it, but. Well, like, just one give I the had... umpires one less thing to bloody worry about. Exactly. I'm all for taking the, the heat off them. I mean, yeah, so we mentioned the, the uh, 
well, I guess we, we've talked a fair bit. There were plenty of other free kicks in those last minutes. So, um, you know, that one could have gone either way, but those ones are magnified and it doesn't get more magnified than that last 10 seconds of a game. Um, we mentioned it before. I didn't get your take. Were you, you were happy with the Reese Matheson work uh, there face-to-face in front of Liam Baker uh, on Friday night? I had this on my list to ask you. This is the question I'd written down. Is Reese Matheson's attitude good for footy? My yeah. word, it was. It was yeah, just good I'm to see. In a grand um, I think we probably all enjoyed it going against Richmond, who tend to do <laughs> doesn't hurt. very obnoxious things like that. But he just, yeah, we're on top. Just deal with it. And he went after them. And, you know, fair enough. That'll come back to bite him one day. Actually, I remember we played the Cats a few years ago and Selwood... I don't know whether he knocked Selwood down or Selwood knocked him down, but they were both getting up and Selwood goes, oh, yeah, tough guy, and pretends to do his shotgun celebration to the crowd and then points to his head like, you idiot, (laughs) you know, think about stuff before you do it. So he'll get it back as good as he gives, but just some personality, some fire, some passion. Yeah, what you exactly. want to see from your players. Exactly. And on that topic, I've got to give a shout-out to Mitchie Robertson for that awesome tackle on Dusty. He basically broke the rule book on tackling and just jumped on him, but it was a great one that you could see coming. Uh, that's one we won't forget. Yeah. No, they did a did a very good job. Very good job. Uh, I Look, I've run out of rapid fires, but I just wanted to run this stat by you, Tom. I'm not sure if you've seen it, and I'm not sure if you want to see it. But um, the fewest quarters won across the year. There are three teams. Can you name three of them? The fewest. I know we're yep. one of them. We can. Yep. We are struggling in that we've department. We've won twelve for the year. Twelve. Uh, you're but you've won boys. four games somehow. Yeah, I know. <laughs> Work that out. Um, that's a cup. That's good. Good quality quarters amongst that twelve. Then uh, your boys would be there. The Ruse. No, we've won more than that. Wow, good effort. Uh, Hawks, surely. Yes. Uh, and who else? Oh, no, the Pies? No, they, nah. they, they might have played all right. The Suns, maybe. No, it's the Crows. Oh, geez. They're going to get there eventually. I just saw yeah, it was I don't interesting. Know how many pings could I uh, Just interesting having them. I, 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 it surprised me to see the Saints there because you've played some good footy at times this year, enough to win what I would have thought is more than 12 quarters, but... Uh, it's, I guess, a damning stat. I think some of those wins have come where you may not have played so well but managed to get over the line, which sometimes yeah. is a sign of a good team, other times is a sign of a lucky team. I think it's uh, even scarier knowing that what we've played this year because I'm pretty sure when we beat the Hawks, we won all four quarters that day. So that says we got our other three wins from eight quarters. So, um, yeah, that that's damning. Uh, I've got a good one for you. So this, this one I'm, I'm pulling off Twitter. So in 2001, Brisbane got knocked out of the finals in their previous two years. They started 2001 with a 1-3 start. Then in round 10, they beat the reigning Premier 102-74 to and went on to win the next three premierships. So in 2021, the Brisbane Lions have been knocked out in their last two previous seasons. They've started this year 1-3, and three, uh, and in round 10, they beat the reigning Premier 102 to 74. Brisbane three, Pete. Will it happen? Based on this stat, it will. I'd be very surprised if it was a three, Pete. But <laughs> yeah, it's a stretch, isn't it? But history does repeat itself 20 years on. Yeah, so look, we'll, I'll be keeping on that. I think Brisbane are a real good show for the flag. So we'll look at that one. 
Uh, I'll give you a little bit of positive news to finish off, Seb. Uh, well, you might not take it as a positive. I know you love this bloke, Oscar Allen. He has signed a three-year extension. Uh, 2025. Ext- 2025. So don't know if you like it for the man because you love him, but uh, it might be the other side that he won't be at the ruse anytime soon if he ever does. So just thought I'd bring that one up to finish. No, he was he was never leaving. Um, it was good business. Good business for the Eagles. Uh, the Bonts re-signed. Um, obviously, Max King got a deal. Was that last week? Yeah, that was last week. It was last week. Um, good news for Roos fans. Robbie Tarrant to play VFL this weekend. Oh, well, that... this, the Reserves League, not the VFL AFL. <laughs> nice little uh, clarification there. Look, that's all from me this week. You, have you got anything else you want to run with, Seb? No, I think we've covered everything, Tom. Nice, nice little nice. meaty one there. If you did enjoy today's episode, share it with a friend. Give us some feedback on Instagram. Uh, review on iTunes or Spotify. All of that is greatly appreciated and helps us boost up the rankings uh, and hopefully get some more listeners to our unique take on our great game. See you.